very little information concerning the origin of Satan. There are those who think that perhaps Satan was an archangel, great power and authority. But because of arrogance and his high position, he became too proud and God cast him out of heaven. And they base that somewhat upon Matthew 12, 24, where the devil is spoken of as Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. I've often wondered about that. It said that he began to be arrogant. Well, it would seem to me that the moment anyone in heaven began to become arrogant, uh, he'd be cast out immediately because sin would not dwell in heaven. And uh, the Lord, I don't think, just let him gather more uh, pride and arrogance and finally cast him out. We don't know about that. We know that in Genesis 1 and verse 31, after God created everything in six days, he looked out upon his creation and he pronounced everything very good. Well, Satan's not eternal. He's not a god, though the Bible speaks of him as being uh, the god of this world. So he was created. And if everything was created and God said it's very good, then Satan at one time was very good. But some things of God's creation have turned bad. Man, for example. I mean, every man sins now. First man and woman sinned. Everybody that's come to this earth reaches the age of accountability as a sinner. So it would be reasonable to think that Satan and certain angels with him also turned back. And when they did, then God cast them out of heaven. And now he's allowed to roam this world as our adversary, tempting people to do wrong and commit sin. There are a number of names that are used in the Bible to apply to Satan. Call him Satan, call him devil, which means adversary. He's the evil one. He's called the prince of this world. He's called the god of this world. And he's also called the deceiver of the whole world. And there may be other names that we just don't think I've been mentioned them to. One thing we want to notice in our lesson tonight, which is about the devil, that there is a devil. Some people say that the devil is simply the figment of one's imagination. And a lot of people that don't believe in a personal devil. A lot of preachers don't believe in a devil. In a survey among 700 ministers, only one out of three, or no, I shouldn't say it that way, one out of three did not believe in the existence of a personal devil. Only two out of three did. And these were all supposedly preachers who didn't accept the devil as a real person. Christian scientists say that all is good. Well, I think any sensible person would have to say all is not good. This is a problem for Christian science. How can they account for all of these evil that's going on and they claim everything is good, all is good? Well, <clears throat> all is not good. And that person that's behind all that's bad and evil and so forth is the devil. There is 
a devil. If you were to go to Wartburg, uh, Germany, they would show you a dark place or an old wall. And they would tell you that that dark place was caused when Martin Luther threw his ink bottle at the devil. Now people say that it wasn't the devil that Martin Luther heard, but it was just rats in the wall. But Martin Luther thought it was a devil. What we need are more people today in this world with the conviction of Martin Luther that the devil exists. And to try to fight uh, the devil with all that we have to save our own souls and to do God's will. The Bible proves his existence. Jesus made the statement in John 8 and 44, the devil is. You complete the sentence, it says the devil is a liar and so forth. But he says the devil is. And explain the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19. He says, the wicked one catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. And so the, the Lord says, there is a devil. And if we deny there's a devil, what do we make Jesus but a liar? And what about Peter and Paul and James and John and other writers of the New Testament? They also affirm that there is a devil. We know that the devil made his appearance upon earth when he appeared to Adam and Eve and led them astray, seduced them to commit uh, sin against God. We know that God allowed Satan to bring trials and suffering upon Job. We read in the Bible where Satan tempted Jesus and three great temptations of his were put to the Lord. And in the book of Revelation, Satan is one of the main characters. In fact, there are two main characters that get star building. That's Jesus and Satan. One's the hero, the hero, and the other is the villain. The Bible affirms that Satan exists. But without the Bible, I think each individual, from his own experience, would say Satan's on the job. And that there is an impulse and a desire in every one of us to follow after evil. And we know this impulse does not come from God. James tells us this in chapter 1 verse 13. That no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt any man. All of the temptations that come our way come from the devil. He is behind every impulse to do evil. Men don't believe in the devil now, as their fathers used to do. They force the door of the broadest creed to let his majesty through. There isn't a print of his cloven foot or a fiery dart from his bow to be found on earth or air today. For the world has voted so. But who is mixing the fatal draft that palsies heart and brain and loads the earth of each passing year with ten, one hundred, a thousand slain? Who blights the bloom of the land today with the fiery breath of hell? If the devil isn't and never was, won't somebody rise and tell? 
Who dogs the steps of the toiling saint and digs pits for his feet? Who sows the tares in the field of time wherever God sows his wheat? The devil is voted not to be, and of course the thing is true. But who is doing the kind of work the devil alone should do? We're told he does not go about as a roaring lion now, but whom shall we hold responsible for the everlasting wrath? To be heard in home, in church, in state, to the earth's remotest bound, if the devil by a unanimous vote is nowhere to be found. Won't somebody step to the front forthwith and make his bow and show? How the frauds and the crimes of the day spring up. For surely we want to know. The devil was fairly voted out, and of course the devil is gone. But simple people would like to know, who cares this business on? Every Christian in the world has a continual fight against the forces of evil. He's tempted on every side. There are temptations that come sometimes even when the child of God is in the only place of prayer. And it's the devil who brings this evil into our minds. Every one of us is confronted every day with the influence and with the power of a personal devil. Well, let's notice the nature of the devil. One thing we want to notice is that he is a person. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, The devil sinneth from the beginning and so forth. Well, only a person can sin. Now, when I say that the devil is a person, I don't mean that he has a body like we have. Somehow, uh, people get confused about when you say well, we, a couple of weeks ago, we said, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is. God the Father is a spirit, but he's a person. And Satan is a spirit, but he is still a person. Hebrews, uh, Ephesians 6 and 12 says that our flesh, uh, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Our warfare, our combat, not against flesh and blood. Like my fighting you and you fighting me. But it's against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the uh, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. When it says in the heavenly places, it's not talking about heaven itself. It's just simply talking about the spiritual realm. The devil is a person who is a spirit. The cartoonist. Uh, usually picture the devil as a as a red figure with a long tail and a pitchfork. But of course he doesn't appear in that form. If he did, we would recognize him and we would avoid him. But the devil comes to us to tempt us, and he often comes in the form that is beautiful. He appeals to us in the most attractive way. The devil is the one who knows, he can feel, he can will, he can lie, he can sin. He is a devil. 
Another thing about the nature of the devil, he is a being of great power and authority. Satan is a strong personality, and we cannot fight him alone. We need all the help that heaven can give us in our combat with the devil. On June the 6th, America with European countries, all of our allies, celebrated the 50th anniversary of D-Day. And uh, a number of us know what happened during that terrible World War II. And I just refer to that to say that all that happened in Europe and the Far East was nothing, nothing compared to the age-long conflict between the souls of men and this mighty personal being who we know as the devil. Just think of all the crimes, all the murders, all the trouble, all the sorrows in this world. And what does it all mean? It's simply a part of the great conflict between good and evil. This means that we must not underestimate the devil. We cannot laugh him off. The big fight is on in our hearts and in the world and Satan is lining up against God, against his children, and against everything that exists that is good. We are in a great battle. But he who is for us is greater than he who is against us. Satan is mighty. But our Savior is almighty. And we can overcome through Him. When we turn to Jude, verse 9, it gives us an idea as to the authority and the power and the dignity, you might say, of Satan. We're told there that Michael the archangel had a quarrel with the devil about the body of Moses. But... Michael, being an archangel, would not bring a railing accusation against the devil, but he just turned him over to the Lord. and said, Lord, you rebuke Which suggests to me that an archangel would not rebuke the devil, turn him over to the Lord. Uh, he must be someone of some great uh, position, high position. He is the prince of this world. In John 14 and verse 30, Jesus said, The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He's talking about the devil. The prince of this world. Now, if Satan were just a, a monarch on, say, Pluto or a Mars or some planet way off out yonder, it wouldn't concern us. But he's the prince of this world, Jesus says. And that's where we are. And so every day in this world we have to face the prince who is out to get us. All we have to do is look around. Just think for a moment. And we will see that the devil is ruling today as the prince of this world. We will never have permanent peace. Never. Until the day of judgment. Until the time is all over. Because he rules in the hearts of the world's great leaders, that is, leaders who have authority. 
Why were nations overrun and millions of people killed during in Europe and in the Far East during World War II? And why do similar conditions of war and hatred and greed prevail today? Very same reason, because the devil is in control. In a recent issue of Time Magazine, on the front page, and you can't see it because it's so dark, Here's a picture of a Rwandan mother and child at a refugee camp in Tanzania. Tanzania. And on the front it says, There are no devils left in hell, the missionary said. They are all in Rwanda. And he's talking about the massacres that's been going on there. It's been estimated that half a million people have been killed and that a third of a million have escaped. They've gone north, east, south, and west because Rwanda is, is bordered by uh, Tanzania over on the left. About 250,000 have escaped there. And on the south, it's Burundi, uh, I believe, or Du, whatever. And then you've got uh, Uganda up there and Zaire where they're fleeing for their lives. And the missionaries who were there said there's no more devils left in hell because they're all there. There's been this eruption between two tribes that goes back for centuries. And that's just one example because you can find many places in the world where that's happened. Why? Because the devil is working at keeping things all torn up. He has the upper hand in many lives. He sits upon the throne of many hearts. A 12-year-old girl is kidnapped at a slumber party and they find her body a few days later. A man and a woman slay an elder relative for her insurance. A drunken father kills a child I mean, these are headlines you see every day, you know. A young woman <clears throat> takes a downward trail which leads to ruin and disgrace. And the devil is behind every one of these things. He even comes to church. He comes to worship with us. He enters the hearts of church members causing them to do things which only the devil could think of. It is a pitiful tragedy when we give the place that should be the Lord's to the devil. Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and 15, But sanctify in your hearts Christ as Lord. Let Christ be the Lord in our hearts and in our lives, not the devil. Well, let's notice some of the work of the devil. We've been talking about it, but we want to classify it. The work of the devil means that he is, that he lies to me. We're told that he's the father of lies. Jesus tells us that in John 8. We cannot trust anybody who tells lies because the devil invented every lie that's ever been told. He lies to me in the day. The devil says to men, follow me into the pathway of sin and I will give you the sweetness of life. Well, the devil's lying. The devil can't do that. 
He can give you the pleasures of sin for a season. But in the end, you drink bitter dregs of disappointment, despair, as you sink down into an eternal hell. In our imagination, let's think of an old man. He's gray, he's bent. Once he was young, and the devil lied to him. <coughs> With all of life lying out before him, the devil said that he should follow him. And taste of all of the sins of this life and of this world. And the young man said, I'll take it all in. He drank from every flower of sin. He tasted of the sweetness of every fountain of iniquity. He wasted his years in riotous living. And now he has nothing left but the bitter memories of a misspent life. No joy in the present and no hope for the future. It has been well said that the devil has no happy old people. The devil lies to people. Secondly, he tempts men to sin. He is the original tempter. He had tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And they gave in to his temptations. And all of us since have done the very same thing. We followed in their footsteps. But the greatest temptation <clears throat> were those that the devil put to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. He had fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness. 40 days and nights. He's weak physically. And the devil appears to him. And he tempts him in the realm of physical needs because he's hungry and also in pride he says if thou art the son of God for well, 40 days before he was baptized and he heard the voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased now the devil says is that so if thou art the son of God then command these stones that they become bread then he took him to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, cast thyself down because it is written that he will not allow the angels to let you hurt yourself to cast your foot against the stone. Then he took him to the, an exceedingly high mountain and he showed him all of the kingdoms and the glories thereof. And Satan said, now if you just fall down and worship me, I'll give all of these to you. And he could have. It was a temptation. Jesus answered each one of those temptations is the quotation of Scripture from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not worship, thou shalt, <coughs> thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Three times the devil tempted him, three times the Lord responded <coughs> with the Scripture and overcame the devil. Now the devil tempts you and me every day in the same way. He tries to get us to sin by our deeds, by our words, and by our thoughts. He's out to get us. <clears throat> and what a shrewd tempter Satan is. He arranges things in a very beautiful manner. He wants to fascinate. 
And he does. He wants to captivate. And he does. He tries to make us forget that we're Christians. He tries to get us to set aside every resolution to do good. He will plant a little thought in our minds. And if we are not in control, he can take over us. There was a gentleman who spent uh, much of his life capturing wild animals. And he made this statement concerning the wolf. He says the wolf will first note the earnestness with which the enemy presses the attack, and if the enemy shows great determination, the wolf will scamper away. But if the wolf detects the least fear in his pursuer's movements, he will defend himself with great bravery. Now, it's the same way with old Satan. He tempts us by first placing some trivial thing in our path. And if we offer no resistance, he suddenly attacks us with all of his force and overcomes us. He lies to men, he tempts men, and he is the author of every false view, every false philosophy, every false uh, religion, the devil is behind In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, <clears throat> we read that uh, the God of this world blinds the minds of the unbelievers, that the light of the gospel should not dawn upon them. Who's doing this? The devil. He's called the God of this world. He's blinding the unbelievers. There are a lot of unbelievers why the unbelief? They've been blinded. Well, they wouldn't admit that. But that's what the Bible says. The God of this world has blinded their mind so that the light of the gospel will not dawn upon them. He, and this is a part of his work, is the author of everything that's wrong. All over the world, the devil is able to cause men to doubt and not believe the old things of the Bible. Ever since 1985, a panel of people who call themselves the Jesus Seminar have been meeting. They meet periodically. And you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to determine for the rest of us the historicity of the New Testament. They allege that the real Jesus was not divine. They spoke only a fraction of the statements that are attributed to him in Matthew, Mark, and John. And they say further that today's New Testament does not represent the original version. They don't even believe in the devil. They take everything of a miraculous nature, all prophecy and everything like that, out of the Bible. And they're going to give us the real Bible. But Satan is behind their work. He fills the hearts of men and women with prejudice. He convinces them that sincerity is all that God wants. He discounts the commands that you read about in the Bible. 
when God requires that we do all of His will. And so we're talking about the kind of work Satan does. But another question comes up. What is the destiny of the devil? Revelation 20 verse 10, Matthew 25 and verse 41 speaks about an eternal lake of fire that's been prepared for the devil. And the devil's going to be there eternally, but he's not going to be alone. It's been prepared for the devil and his angels, all of the demons that followed him, and all of those who refuse, reject, for whatever reason, to do God's will. There's going to be a great mass and multitude in this eternal fire. And if you and I are there, it will be because we cast our lot with the devil rather than with God. We have to make a choice. And the Lord has done all that he can. And he beckons for us to follow his way so that we can live with him rather than to experience the destiny of the devil. Well, how can we get the victory over the devil? Surrender to God and resist the devil. That's number one. Surrender to God and resist the devil. James 4 and 7 says, Be subject unto God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The trouble is, with many of us, is that we do not resist the overtures of Satan. When he tempts us, we embrace the opportunity to sin. We must resist him in the strength of the Lord. It's reported that the Finnish courts, that is the courts in Finland, have upheld the title of the will of an atheist that bequeathed his property upon his death to the devil. And in accordance with the binding of the court, the wish of the deceased is to be carried out by leaving the land absolutely untouched by human hands and allowing it to revert to the wilderness condition. Now that raises a question, does it not? Do things that are left to themselves naturally and of necessity go to the devil? A great many things seem to to let farms, to let men and women, to let our children go to the devil, all that's necessary is to let them run wild. We must actively submit to God.